book of Acts, chapter number 24. I make no guarantees on the length of this tonight. It might be short. It might be long. But it would be what the Lord told me to say. I've been kind of under the weather these past few days. So under, I didn't know what the weather looked like for a few days. Yesterday, I started getting my senses back, looked in the mirror, didn't recognize myself, had to clean up. It was rough. And I said, Lord, I need to hear what the Spirit says for the church. I need to know what the Holy Ghost wants me to preach. And the Lord directed my attention to verse 24 of Acts chapter 24. Bible says, and after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way, for this time when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. I want to preach tonight on this subject, the inconvenient Christ. The inconvenient Christ. Would you put your Bibles down and let's ask the Lord. I just need you to bring up a prayer for pastor tonight that the Lord would strengthen me. Lord, I need the help of the Holy Ghost. I know you're giving me the word to preach. I need the strength to deliver it to your people. Father, give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Lord, I know I'm preaching to somebody. Just use my mouth. Use my lips. Give me the words to speak. I thank you for it even now. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. The inconvenient Christ. We join the Apostle Paul while in prison. And he was sent to Felix. And here Paul begins to plead his cause. And he preached three things to Felix that scripture records, Bible says that Paul reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Now Paul, who by his own hands, the Lord used to give us most of the New Testament, we would all consider Paul to be pretty tight with God. I, I don't know of anyone that shares the same resume. Of course, I don't know of all like God does, but to my own knowledge, I don't know of anyone that shares the same resume as the Apostle Paul. And Paul, while speaking to Felix in this no doubt pivotal moment in history, he could have prayed for his release. He could have prayed that he would have mercy on him. But that's not what Paul pled. 
Scripture tells us he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Those three things are still what we need to preach about today. Righteousness. Right standing with God. You can't make it to heaven on your own righteousness. Because in your Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And you want to, you want to know the literal translation of that, you do a little word study. I won't, I won't reveal it here, but you do word study and you'll find out what that really means in God's eyes, what our righteousness is in God's eyes. You can't do enough right in your own to merit salvation. You can't be good enough. You can't give enough money. You can't do enough good deeds. You cannot be a, a good enough person to merit righteousness. Righteousness does not come from us. It comes from reconciliation and redemption through Calvary and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not by our righteousness, but by his righteousness that we can attain salvation. We have to make sure that we are in right standing with God through salvation by Jesus Christ. But then he goes on to preach not just being righteous, but he preached temperance. Temperance. Self-control. Having, having, having that flesh under subjection. You know what caused Esau to lose his birthright? His flesh. Wasn't the devil? Wasn't the evil spirit? It was he, he came in and he was hungry. His flesh was weak. And he sold out a birthright for a bowl of beans. Porridge, lentils, oatmeal, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't even meat. If I'm going to sell out, I want a steak. He had a bowl of beans. Now you talk about weak. That flesh is weak. And we got people struggling with that. They're not struggling with spirits. They're struggling with the flesh. No temperance. No self-control. Can't harness that flesh. We're going to live for God. We got to get our flesh under control. There's, there's some things we, like Brother, Brother Spanky said earlier. I don't want to give the devil too much credit. We do give the devil more credit than, than he's sitting back gloating over things he didn't even do. Our flesh did. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying there's not such a thing as a spirit of gossip. There might be. But nine times out of ten, gossip ain't a spirit. It's a self-control issue. And some people have learned to bridle their tongue but haven't tamed their fingers. But the spirit, the motive is the same behind it. Just because you don't say it, you type it, 
It's the same thing. It's just dressed up a little different. You got to understand, if, if we're going to make it to heaven, that flesh has to be under subjection. Am I perfect? No. Hey, I've already preached to myself this, but you don't know how many times I preached myself under conviction. I'm not perfect. And, and, and we can't try to spiritualize our wrong motives either. Like when Herod said, when y'all find Jesus, come tell me because I want to go worship him. He was trying to spiritualize his wrong motives. He didn't want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill Jesus. And there's some people that try to spiritualize their wrong motives. Years ago, I was struggling with a situation. And the Bible talks about wolves in sheep's clothing. And I was, I was just talking to the Lord. I wasn't really in deep travail. Sometimes I talk to the Lord just driving down the road, talk to him in prayer. and You know, you just like you do in your own time. And I just said, Lord, how can I recognize a wolf in sheep's clothing? Because if you really study it out, a wolf can, can make sounds like a sheep, can get in the carcass of a sheep, eat it out and get in the, in the carcass and, and attract other sheep. You study it out. A wolf can mimic a lot of things. And, and I said, Lord, how, how can I discern a wolf in sheep's clothing? The Lord said, look at their feet. And I began to think about it. Look at their feet. A, a, a sheep has a real delicate hoof. And a wolf has claws. And the Lord said, why do you think they call it a track record? Because you can look at certain people and look at their tracks that they've left behind. And you can tell by whether it's delicate or carnage if they're a wolf or a sheep. And I began to think about people. And I looked over time. And I saw some that I thought were sheep, but they left behind nothing but then claws and wounds and, and hurt, hurting and heartache. And, and, and that's a wolf. A sheep will leave behind, behind delicate tracks. I don't know, I don't know why I'm, I don't even have this in my notes, but you just let me go with it, okay? You learn a lot about people by the tracks that they leave. Now, it's not up to you to tell everybody else who's a sheep and who's a wolf. You make mental notes. You pray about it. You pray that God gives pastor wisdom. Because I pray, I pray for wisdom all the time. I don't pray to be a good preacher. I pray for wisdom. But we don't need everybody trying to point out, well, that's a sheep. That's wolf. That's wolf. That's sheep. Nope. No. You mark it. And you keep that flesh under subjection. As much as everything within you wants to go, wolf! I've, I've wanted to do it before. Hey, I've been in church and I, I, I if, they walk, if you walk up, to, I will punch you in the face. I've had enough of you. I'm just picking, okay? It's a joke. I thought it, but I never did it. I'm talking about church people now. Talking about real, 
But, you know, church people and worldly people, one thing that they have in common, they're people. We're all people. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. But everybody here has the same desire and that's to please the Lord and to make it to heaven. And I want you to make it to heaven. And we're going to make it to heaven by keeping our flesh under subjection. Keeping our will under subjection. God, I want to be pleasing to you. So we've got to be righteous, temperance, and then he preached judgment to come. Now this is where the writer talks about that there's going to be scoffers in the last day that are going to rise up and they're going to point and say, where's the sign of his coming? Y'all been saying for years that God's coming back. How many, how many has been living for God over 50 years in the building? You've been living for God over 50 years. We've got several in here, 50 years. Brother Bruin, 50 years ago, were they preaching the coming of the Lord? You know what? 60 years ago, Sister Beachy, they were preaching the coming of the Lord. We're still preaching the coming of the Lord. You know what? Just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But what's happened is prophetic fulfillment has come to pass. And now we've got people saying, y'all been preaching that for years. God's coming back. When's it going to happen? And then I was only five years old, but they told me there was a book in 88. 88 reasons God's coming back in 1988. Some of you older than me, you've heard about it. And they said people ran to the altar in 1988. And then the guy probably made several more million with 89 reasons God's coming back in 1989. Didn't happen. And then Y2K and then, I don't, I don't forgot them all now. One guy was taking all these financial contributions because the end of the world was coming. And, and what, what's happening is it's desensitizing people to the fact that God is coming back. And there's going to be scoffers. It's all, it's all in the book, okay? None of this is catching us off guard. It's all in the book. If you read the book, it's there. But you know what scripture says? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The whole reason God is delaying his coming is because in 2019, there's going to be some family of yours in Wallace Ridge, and God said, I'm going to give them an opportunity to have salvation. There's going to be a revival in Wallace Ridge. I'm still going to come back for my people, but I want to save some more people. We still have to preach Jesus is coming again. Never told us when. Now I know this. The Bible talks about he'll come as a thief in the night. And I've heard all my life, many people preach that no man knows the hour or the day when the Son of Man cometh. And that is true. Nobody knows the hour or the day. But Paul also says that we are not in darkness. We are children of the light. Till the world, they're in darkness. It will come upon them as a thief in the night. 
But we know the season of the coming of the Lord. We are in light. We're not in darkness. We have revelation. We have word. We can look at prophetic fulfillment. No, we can't say at 12 o'clock on this day, God's coming back. But we do know the seasons that scripture talks about when God is going to come back for his church. And my friend, we're in the season of the coming of the Lord. When God's getting ready to wind this thing up. And I want to make sure that I'm ready. And my family's ready. And I'm, I'm in the house of the Lord every chance that I get. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. So Paul preached righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Get right with God. Get your flesh under control. God will judge all men. And Felix, the Bible says, trembled. Here was a ruler of that day. And he trembled at the message that Paul preached. No doubt he was moved and he was shaken. He was stirred to his core with what Paul preached. But this is what Felix said. Go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season I will call for thee. It's one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. Sister Beatsy, I've looked all over in this book and what troubles my soul is I never see a scripture where Felix called for Paul. Unless I missed it. Pretty sure I didn't. We don't have a recording and I think that it's monumental enough that if it did happen, it would be in this book. Felix was wanting a convenient Christ. He was wanting a God that he could pick up when he needed him and set him back on the shelf when everything was good. He was wanting a Christ he could pray to when he felt like it. But then a Christ that he could put aside when he didn't feel like praying. He was wanting a Christ that he could worship when the music was just like he wanted it. But he didn't want a Christ to worship when it wasn't his kind of music. And what Paul was trying to offer him that day was an inconvenient Christ. You see, Jesus has been the most divisive being that has ever known humanity. In fact, Matthew 10 and 34, Scripture records, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. What Jesus was trying to get across to those people that day was, yes, he is the Prince of Peace. And yes, he could bring peace to a troubled soul. 
But he was also be the name that would divide husband and wife, that would divide brother and sister. Because in every household there would be some that would choose to serve the Lord and those that would choose to walk away from Jesus Christ. If you serve the Lord, it's going to be out of an inconvenience, not out of a convenience for you. He didn't come to those who wanted to live an easy life. He came to those that wanted to make it. I need someone to help preach with me tonight. I feel the witness of the Spirit here. God's looking for a church that says, God, I don't want to make it to heaven the easy way. I don't want to just pray when I want to pray. I want to pray when I don't want to pray. I want to worship when I don't want to worship. I want to fast when I don't want to fast. We're living in a day where we have drank the cocktail of convenience. We got convenience stores popping up everywhere. We got drive throughs everywhere. We've got, excuse me, drive through liquor stores. If that doesn't scream absurdity, I don't know what else will. Convenience. We can do everything now from our phones. It used to, I remember when I went to San Diego, I went to the the Midway Battleship. Very, very interesting aircraft carrier. It's decommissioned now, but just an amazing if, you're, if that's your thing, the, the Air Force and history, it's amazing. I remember the pastor walked me in this in this room and they had a big display. It's a massive room of, of technology at that time was current. But it filled up this entire room. And then it had a it had a breakdown of the progress of technology. And my cell phone had hundreds of more gigabytes of memory than that entire room did. Convenient. That my, my, my cell phone, we could find, if, if my wife's on the other side of the world, I can find her with my cell phone. Convenience. But can I tell you that convenience is also a curse? While it's helped us do a lot of good things, it's also made a whole lot of people lazy. And I'm not casting stones tonight, but one thing that if I'm a stickler for, you're fixing to hear it. And, and, and I'm not pointing anybody here because I haven't seen anybody do it, but you just make a mental note. There's only one word of God. You may have a Bible on your phone, but you can also look at a whole lot of other junk on your phone. But when you look in the mirror of this word right here, you only see purity in this book. Young people, I'm not saying don't have your Bible on your phone. You, that's a good thing to have on your phone. You better have a Bible. You better know the books of the Bible. Parents, don't tell your children to have a Bible if you don't have a Bible. That's good preaching. 
Sister Amanda, I may want one of these CDs. I'm just picking. We gotta have, we gotta have the word of God. Yeah, it's convenient to look up on your phone. But God convicted me when they say, if you have your Bible, stand, and I'll pull out my phone. It's not my Bible. That's a phone. It's a Bible. It's the Word of God. It's a precious book. You people, you got to know that book. You got you to gotta live that book. That's, that, that book is your life. I, I got my, in my office two Bibles right now. And I, and, I, and, I, and I joked the other night, I had my brother Grantham and brother Chisholm were in my office. And I kind of had a, my spiritual progression. I had a little Bible when I was a teenager. And I, when I was an aspiring preacher, I wore that Bible out. And I made notes and I wrote down sermons and who preached what. And I wore that Bible out. And when I started evangelizing, my pastor gave me a Thompson chain. It was a smaller Thompson chain. And I put that, I put that one little Bible aside on the shelf. And I got my got my Bible and I started evangelizing. I said, Lord, this is my Bible I'm evangelizing with. And I mean, I prayed over that Bible and I, I tore that Bible to pieces. I got pages falling out. I got notes all in it. And I had this Bible, brand new, sitting in a box. And I had, in the, and had it on my shelf. Thompson chain just like I had. And I said, Lord, when I pastor one day, it's my Bible. And on November 5th, I put up that other Bible and I got, got my Bible. See, young people, you got to have something to navigate you. you got to have something you fall in love with. It ain't going to be your phone that leads you in the right direction. It's going to be a word from God. Brother Spanky, like when you went to prayer, and God spoke to you. He gave you a word. Brother Blake, God will give you a word. But you got to have a word from God. It's not going to be convenient. There's been times I was praying at night, and I see God. I need a word for this church. I didn't get on my phone to get a word. And parents, you're going to be in situations. You're going to go to prayer and say, God, I need a word. The internet ain't going to give you a word. Phone ain't going to give you a word. Sister Beatsy and Sister Bernice, as, as close as they are, Sister Brenda, they may not have a word for you right there. It may not be convenient, but you get in that book and you'll get you a word from God. You get in that book and you, God will speak to you in that book. If you get in that book, it's not going to be convenient. I'm talking to people right now. You're looking for direction from the Lord. You're seeking direction from God and nobody's giving you a word as close as I think I can be to God. I may not have a word for you all the time, but that book right there will. That book will have a word for you. It'll do it. It may not be convinced. It may not happen in five minutes. We won't, we won't quick McDonald drive through word from God. It don't always happen like that. We, we, we drink the cocktail of convenience too much and we want a God. We want a God that will cater to our conveniences. David, he bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. This is why he said, I won't offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. David said, I'm not going to do it. 
I'm not going to do it out of convenience. Yeah, it may inconvenience me right now, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be worth the price I pay. Let me, hear, let me tell you, church, it's not always convenient living for God. Oh, it's still the best life. I'm not saying that. It is the best life. But nowhere will it, in that book does it ever say it's going to be the most convenient life. Prayer is not always convenient. It's not. But it's necessary. If you're going to be saved, it's going to be because you prayed. It's going to be because you got a hold of God. Young people, if you're going to be who God's called you to be, it's going to be because you got a hold of God. It's going to be because you prayed. I've been to, I've been to churches. And, I, and, and, and I've, I've heard, I, I feel like I'm a balanced individual. I try like my pastors taught me balance. I've been, I've been to white shirt preachers that you had to wear white shirt only on their platform or you couldn't be saved. I'm not saying they're wrong. They're the pastor. That was the standards they set for their, their platform. And we honor that. I honor that as an evangelist. That's the shepherd for that congregation. And I've been on one, on, on, on platforms where they didn't, it didn't matter hardly what you wore. That's the pastor. And I feel like we've got a very balanced platform, godly platform, and I'm proud of them. But I've been there where they told them, don't you, ever, don't you even step on the platform if you hadn't been in that prayer room at least 30 minutes praying. They told them that. And I, I, as far as I know, all of our leadership, all of our platform, they try to visit the prayer room at least 10 or 15 minutes if they can. And we have a very faithful uh, leadership team in doing so. And I commend that. You know what? Can you miss a service and make it to heaven? Probably so. Can you miss two services without praying and make it to heaven? Probably so. But you get in the habit of not praying it starts jeopardizing your walk with God. It's a, it's a godly, biblical practice to maintain that talk, that walk and that talk with the Lord and that communion with the Lord. No, it's not always going to be convenient. I was laying there sick those two days just like some of you and all I could say was, Lord Jesus. Thought I was dying. I was calling out desperation. I told my wife, I said, baby, I told her, I said, y'all get out of town. They, she took the kids to the zoo on Thursday and, and, and came back Friday. I said, I'm sick. There's nothing you can do. Me and there's sometimes, there's nothing they can do. You just did it by yourself. And I told her when she got back, I said, baby, it's probably a good thing that you weren't here. And she said, why? I said, because I was in and out of consciousness. That's why I felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. It was that bad in my own mind. And I said, I just kept hearing myself just go, Oh! Oh! And I was in that back room. Jesus! Felt like I was near death. You know what? God knew my heart. I was praying the best I could. It might not have made a whole lot of sense to anybody else, but I was doing my best to, to try to pray. I'm not saying every time you're going to pray, you're going to thunder heaven down. I don't know anybody that can say that they do. But you know what? The more times you pray, the more chances you have of thundering heaven down. 
It's a good thing to keep praying. You, you don't just pray when it's convenient. You pray when it's not convenient. You don't just, let me tell you what it is. You don't come to church when it's convenient. You come to church when it's not convenient. And one thing I applaud this church for is y'all are faithful to the house of God. Keep on being faithful to the house of God. And there may come a day, it just this thing keep rolling like it is, to accommodate the people, we may have to go back to two services on Sunday. You know what? That may not be convenient for some people. But I just got enough faith in you that you'll just keep on showing up anyhow. Because you love the house of God. And you love the children of God. And you love fellowship. Brother Cox just said it. He said it so beautifully. I believe it was at our installation. We don't need less church the closer we get to the coming of the Lord. We don't need less fellowship the closer we get to the coming of the Lord. I need, I need strength, Brother Glenn. I, I need strength, Brother Spanky, Brother Maurice. Me, we, these men last week, we just had such a, a wonderful turnout at our men's meeting. You know what that does? Number one, I didn't have to speak. Brother, Brother Jonathan Chris did a phenomenal job speaking to these men. And it fed my soul. And we had great food. And, and, and you know what, men? It's not always convenient to come after work. But you showed up and you were strengthened by fellowship with men of like precious faith. And I commend you for that. It's not always about what's convenient for us. We, don't, we can't serve a convenient Christ. Everybody, everybody today wants, well, I, I won't, my wife hates going out to eat with me. I say hates. I mean, she's put up with it now for almost 16 years, but I just, I'm, I'm a funny eater. I just, I like to eat, but I'm just funny. And I like going to Sonic, and I want a, a grilled chicken sandwich, only ketchup and cheese, on a regular hamburger bun, not one of these brioche newfangled buns they got out there that don't even taste like a real bun. I want that white bread bun. And I ordered that app because it's supposed to be ready by the time you get it over there, you know. They don't have the option to put regular hamburger bun, so I can't even use the app now. And we're so, y'all go ahead and make fun of me. That's all right. But we want, we want God to fit our mold. Let me tell you, this book, the Bible says, is forever settled in heaven, which means it can't change, and God can't change. You don't change the book to fit you. You change yourself to fit the book. God's not going to conform to anybody. He's not going to come down and say, oh, I'll do this. No, no, no. you got to be the one to conform to him and to come in line with his word and his desires for your life. I'm preaching on the inconvenient Christ. I got so many notes up here, Brother Spanky. I feel like you. Let me tell you what else isn't convenient. Praise is not always convenient. It's not. You know why? Because we are reactionary in our praise. We are. That's how we're programmed. And our praise changes with the winds of life and the seasons of life. Let's be honest. 
How many here tonight have ever come in the house of God and you just did not feel like worshiping? Just about everyone. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, come talk to me afterwards. It's just the facts of life. It's not that you're bad. It's not that you're living in sin, although that can hinder your worship. If you're living in sin, that separates you from the Lord. But we're human. And we come down, we come into church. Hey, there's been times when I was growing up, the preacher said stand to be dismissed, and I didn't even know what he preached. I didn't even know who started. I was just zombie land. I was doing, I had so much on my mind. You know what I'm talking about? You're here out of commitment. You're here out of faithfulness. You're here out of obligation. And I commend that. But the facts are the facts. You're human. And I'm human. But something happens when you start praising God when you don't feel like it. We don't feel Him because we praise. I'm sorry. I messed that up. I missed a good point. We don't praise Him because we feel Him. We feel Him because we praise Him. If you come in here every time waiting to feel the wind blow to start praising, there's going to be times you're not going to praise Him. But when you start praising, you start feeling the wind blow. You don't just always feel like cutting a rug, but sometimes you cut a rug anyway and you feel the wind of the Spirit begin to blow. Hey, we were in the men's prayer room earlier and I made up in my mind, Lord, I don't feel good. I don't feel like being in here, but I'm going to start worshiping and clapping. And you know what I felt? I felt the wind of the Spirit blow in that men's prayer room. I wonder if we could just take a moment right now and just clap our hands under the Lord. Why don't you just worship Him just for a moment? Just magnify him just for a moment. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, I praise you. Stand with me all over the building right now. I praise you, Jesus. I magnify you, Jesus. I bless your name, Jesus. I give you glory. I give you praise. Come on all over the building. Let's just worship him right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. The inconvenient, the inconvenient Christ. We tell you, revival, the revival that we're experiencing and what's going to continue is not going to come out of convenience. We got Sunday school teachers, they prepare their Sunday school lessons, they come and do a phenomenal job teaching our Sunday school kids. And I hear nothing but great reports of all of our all of our Sunday school classes. God's blessed this church. They don't just get up there and wing it. They prepare. Even though it's inconvenient, they prepare. Go to that prayer room. Let me tell you what made this pastor proud. When 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 I when I last prayer meeting Monday, whenever it was, over here the Lord laid upon my heart do a 20, 24 hour prayer. I thought to myself, Lord, that's 24 people we need to get just to pray 24 hours. That's an hour each. I said, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and just say it because then I'm already out there. If I get 24 people, I said, Lord, if not, I'll just I'll pray as many hours I need to pray to make that 24-hour prayer chain. I walked out there this afternoon. 
58. 50. That's it. You, you better. You deserve a hand clap. 58. I'm looking at a church that you don't want to convenient Christ. And God's going to honor that. God's going to honor your efforts. We'll get, we'll get this prayer list out there. I, I just had to bring that up there with me because I got blew my mind. I should have expected more. I'm sorry. I'm human. You proved me wrong. Keep proving me wrong. Because we're going to have that prayer chain. We're going to have it in April. I'll give you the date. I'll tell you what else we're going to do. Here in just a few weeks, flying to the Philippines, bringing Brother Brandon, Brother Britt, my brother, Brother Damon McGee and his wife from Shreveport, we're going to preach. We're going to have our church sponsored a crusade. It's 14-hour difference. I'll have some times available. It's not going to be convenient, I'm telling you now. I'll have some times. What I would love is for people in this church to be praying. It's 14 hours ahead. So if it's 7 o'clock, that time the crusade, 7 o'clock in the evening, it'll be about 5 o'clock in the morning. Surely somebody's up at 5 o'clock. I know I'm not up, but maybe somebody at 5 o'clock in the morning's up. They could be praying. Because when we come back with videos of people that got the Holy Ghost, it's going to be because people here were praying for God to honor that crusade and fill young people with the Holy Ghost during that youth camp. It's not going to be convenient. Lift your hands all over the building right now. I'm unloading my heart tonight. I wonder, I wonder how many people here are willing to come to this altar and say, Lord, I don't want a convenient walk with you. God, I want you to challenge by faith. That's the only way we grow. I'm opening these altars. How about it, Wallace Ridge? I don't want a convenient Christ. I don't want a convenient Christ. I want you to use me, God. I want you to use me to reach my family. I want you to use, use me to reach my community. Lord, use me in prayer. Use me in fasting. Use me in reaching people, Lord. I don't want a convenient God.